Welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk-On, PFF's college football show. I'm your host, Max Chadwick, alongside my co-host, Dalton Wasserman. And Dalton, we have a Herbie fully loaded episode of Preferred Walk-On today. Usually in these review episodes, we tend to stick to kind of one theme of like going over games, mid-season All-American, mid-season awards. We got three big things we're doing today. We're going over some a couple takeaways from the weekend of college football because it was an insane weekend of college football. We have our top five Heisman candidates heading into week nine and a new segment that we're debuting, which I'm very excited about. We have trivia questions, man, that you and I have not seen yet. Uh, Dave so far, I'll put them together. So shout out, Dave. But yeah, man, it's a fully, fully loaded uh, show that we have for you guys today. So let's start, Dalton, with our takeaways from week eight. What is the main takeaway that you took from a crazy week eight of college football? Um, this is going to sound weird, but, uh, football is still really hard. And, and I think <laughs> teams in the top 10, especially fans in them need to not panic when they don't win by a ton, right? We're in the yep. part of the season. Look, there's only eight undefeated teams left and two of them are air force and James Madison. All right. So we know they're not, they're not going to get in the playoff. They don't have like that big signature win to get them in the top four. So you look at the top six are undefeated. Oklahoma did squeak out UCF. I get it. You know, that's that's more, you know, we've seen Washington struggled with Arizona State, but we've seen Arizona State be frisky before, right? Conference, still a conference game, still a team with some talent and a team that's playing hard for the new coach, right? But I think when you look at teams like, you know, I, I got a text and we're going to get into this next about from somebody said about Ohio State, they texted me, they go, so is Ohio State just not that good? And I go, wait, what? They just played the number seven team <laughs> in the country and we're clearly the better team, yeah. right? Or somebody else asked me, like, is this is Florida State just going to mess around all year? I'm like, wait, Duke's a really good football team. <laughs> like, and Florida State at the end of the day was clearly the better team. I, I'm not the only team. Look, football is they're going to you have hard games. We've are, we've talked about this with Georgia before. They were tight with South Carolina, tight with Auburn. Michigan's the only team in the country who hasn't had one of those yet. Yeah, and it's coming at some point. They're going to have a game where it's closer than it should be. Right. I, I just think. Just because they're in the top 10, you've got these teams who they're not going to dominate every single week. Look, I picked Oregon to blow out Washington State. They beat them, I believe it was by 14. Closer game maybe early on than we thought. Washington State, despite some struggles, is still a good team with some dangerous weapons. Mm -hmm. you got to remember, these teams, just because they're in the top 10, doesn't mean they're just going to walk in and blow somebody away. But also, when they get out with a win, right, I think a team, I think Florida State's the best example this week. Find a way to win, right? Yep. I, I don't know that there's a better quarterback in the country right now than Jordan Travis at just gritting his way through hard times, you know, and, and I think there's something to be said for that. And I think every team, championship teams go through that. Look at Alabama even. Lost to Texas. We're really getting beat pretty soundly in the first half by Tennessee, and they came back and they were the better football team, right? I think you just have to, you know, the panic meter for teams that win games needs to come down some. Because at least you didn't lose, right? It's it's one of these things. It just felt like a theme this week. Like a bunch of people came to me and were like, well, this team's not that good. That game was close. Well, they played a really good team. Like still, like <laughs> these teams are not like even the Penn State game, right? And when we're about to get into it, I'll let you I'll let you elaborate on it in a minute. Is like that's still they're gonna finish the year in the top fifteen. Oh, easily. That's still a that's still a really good team. And just because the game was a one at the end of one score game doesn't mean there's anything wrong with Ohio State. 
No, not at all. And, and speaking of that game, so I was lucky enough to go to that game. Dave Safaro, shout out again to him for getting me credentialed. I was able to get on the field pregame, was in the press box for most of the game, and then I was able to get on the field for the fourth quarter, which was super, super cool. I got a sick, sick video of Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, scoring a touchdown that you know really put the game away. That was an awesome, awesome experience. Made the loss st- uh, sting a lot less than previous years, I'll tell you that way. Um, that place is rocking, man. Penn State was interesting to me because – a lot of Penn State fans after that game were coming at James Franklin and saying, you just can't win the big game. You can't beat Ohio State. You can't beat Michigan. Now, that's true. And a lot of them were saying, it's time to move on. Who who the heck do you think Penn State can get that all of a sudden you're going to be you know, beating Ohio State and Michigan on almost an annual basis? Man, I don't understand. James Franklin is basically as good as Penn State can get. I think a lot of Penn State fans need to look in the mirror and say, hey, this is where the program is. Right now, this is who we are. Penn State, Drew Aller is the first five-star quarterback Penn State has had since Christian Hackenberg about eight, nine years ago, or ten years ago now, actually. Ohio State, last year, had C.J. Stroud and two five-star backups in Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Right now, they have two five-star quarterbacks on the roster. They have another one coming in next year. These are not the same teams. These are not the same programs. Penn State shouldn't be expected to beat Ohio State. It should be hoped, but it shouldn't be expected. So that's the big thing I want to take away. Other big thing I want to take away from this game is we said it all the time. This Penn State offense is not a playoff contending offense, and it showed in this game. Now, Ohio State is one of the best defenses in the country. They proved it in this game. But, man, from the the receiving core, just did not help Aller at all. That I think that is a big weakness of this offense right now is that receiving core. There's not a dude in that receiving core. The offensive line is below average at best, man. The run game actually was pretty solid, but they got away from the run game. Drew Aller gets a lot of the hate. He was actually, I thought he was fine in this game. I don't think any of the faults should be placed on him. The coaching also, I, I think the play calling was terrible in this game. They had a third and 13, they ran the ball. Third and five, they ran the ball. And they didn't go for it on fourth down either time. So when they ran the ball on those plays, I was like, all right, they're playing for fourth down. They're playing for a closer fourth down. They kicked the field goal right after that. So it's like, why on earth would you not give Drew Aller even a chance to convert on those downs? So yeah, one for 16 on third down, man. This is a, a terrible performance from the Penn State offense. But again, this is Ohio State we're talking about, people. This isn't like some bad team. This isn't like North Carolina losing to Virginia this past Saturday. So Penn State fans, way too harsh on James Franklin. But yes, this offense is very concerning. And I will say the defense that we said could be uh, a little bit of fool's gold with the offenses they played, they actually looked really good against Ohio State too. So I think this defense is legit as well. Yeah, I agree. No, the defense, there's nothing wrong with the defense. Their defense was good enough to win this game. Yeah, oh, uh, they caused McCord a lot of problems. The penalties on the one drive killed them when they had the scoop and score that would have oh. turned the game around. I, I mean, they, uh, outside of a couple penalties, the defense, they were spectacular. They went into Columbus and held Ohio State to 20 points despite all the adversity. No, I, I think you mentioned a good thing about Aller being the one five-star quarterback. And You, I, you know, honestly, I look at Penn State's offensive talent. She's just not there. No. Uh, Fashanu's going to be a top 10 pick, right? Great pass protector, that right. whole thing. But we've said this for weeks. They can't run block. Allen and Singleton are both really good players. Neither one of them is Saquon Barkley. No. Right? You know, the receiving core, we've been talking about them with the drops and being unable to separate. And look, Aller, to me, honestly, I don't think Aller was particularly good in this game, but I also think you're handcuffed on a team with yeah. really no weapons uh, against arguably the best defense in the country. It's, it's going to be hard. I think he started, I think it was 10 for 33 before a handful of completions late. It, it's, 
it's a real this is going to be a long-term project this offense because they're, they're and then now they're you're going to lose your best player and your left tackle in the draft it, it's i think they just showed us what we were suspecting and we just needed to see it on the field it's it's just not a particularly great offensive foot their defense is going to have them at the end of the year they're gonna they're gonna finish ten and two mm-hmm. in all likelihood. I think they'll probably they're probably still good enough to beat Maryland. I think they have Maryland this yeah. week or next week. You know, Michigan's gonna beat them probably even a little more soundly than Ohio State did. They're, they're gonna be ten and two, and they're gonna make a decent bowl game, and it's gonna be same old, maybe eleven and two, maybe ten and three. It's it's kind of I hate to say it like this, but they're clearly the third best team in the Big Ten, and it's kind of same old Penn State. It's it's not any different than when they had Hackenberg or Sean Clifford or anybody else who's been in there. And it's the one thing I wonder about Franklin more so than the play calling and anything on the field. What's on the field is just a product of what you have at this point, right? They're less talented than Ohio State. Can he can he add talent like that at the skill positions, especially that can put them over the top. We're used to seeing this team with Saquon Barkley and, and big time receivers and, and, and guys like that in the past. I just don't see, I think you're just short on talent. Yeah. I really do. I think they're just a beefed up version of any of those other big 10 teams. I mean, it's like if Iowa had a more like an average offense, is that not just Penn state? Yeah, honestly. And it really is just kind of like, yes, it's hard, but it's so hard to recruit at that level, man. It's just like, that's where Penn state fans, they get a little too big for their bridges. Honestly. And I say this as a Penn state fan, where it's just like, dude, you got to know who you are in the national landscape. Like that they have this idea of Penn state as, as should be a national title contender every year. And it's like, no, they don't spend enough money in NIL. They don't spend enough money on the facilities. They don't do that. You know, Ohio State does that. So that, I think that's a big, big problem. And yeah, you mentioned the weapons, man. I think Ohio State might, you could make an argument. They might have four, five receivers that would be Penn State's number one receiver right now. Like that just shows you how the talent gap between these two is so severe. Other thing I want to hit on quickly before we move on to our Heisman, which I'm promising we'll get to uh, USC, man. They're out of the college football playoff now. They lost to Utah. Utah has now beaten USC in four straight times. Four straight times uh, Utah has beaten USC. Bryson Barnes was uh, out-dueling Caleb Williams in this one. I loved uh, the quote Kyle Whittingham had where he was like, yeah, you know what? They have the reigning Heisman winner at quarterback, and we have a pick farmer at quarterback, and we'll take our guy any day of the week. Love that. Uh, But there's a a main take that came out of that, uh, Dalton, was that Caleb Williams, now that he's out of the Heisman race, now that he's out of the college football playoff race, uh, he should sit out the rest of the season. That's what Emmanuel Acho said, and a lot of people were uh, coming at him for saying that. What is your thoughts on that, on whether or not Caleb should just call it quits on the season and, and enter the NFL draft? I get the argument for sure. I think because it's only one conference loss, he's not going to do that. They're going to try to win the Big 12, because, or sorry, the Pac-12, because they didn't even do it last year because they lost to Utah a second time. Um, they're going to try to win the conference. One more loss would be interesting um, just because then it really puts them out of it. You know, when you talk about Oregon and Washington, Utah, and Oregon State, as a matter of fact, who's ahead of them too. One more loss would put them out of it. I think he's going to stay in there. The other thing is I I don't know how much scouts and NFL teams are going to like walking away from your team in the middle of the season, right? Bowl games are one thing. Bowl games, unless you're in the playoffs, in the grand scheme, are meaningless, unless you're trying to improve the draft stock. Um, He almost certainly, I wouldn't think he would play in a bowl game, even, even if it was the Rose Bowl or something or whichever one is in the rotation this year for them. I, I, I get the argument for sure. I don't think he's going to do it. I'm going to be honest, after he's really played three either mediocre or bad games in a row, if not four, 
he may have something to prove coming yeah. through this adversity. I think you want to see a quarterback get through adversity, go through some hard times. If you bail when times get hard, I, I think I think you start to raise more questions than than answers. Um, I I don't think he's going to sit unless things get really really bad because he, he, I think now he's got something to prove coming. He wasn't horrible against Utah, he was just kind of normal. Yeah. Um, but he's I think he's just got to punch through it and and keep going. Can you imagine if he sits out now after that Utah? That's the last taste of Caleb Williams in college football is the Notre Dame and Utah games. He's not going to do that. And I think, you know, a lot of people were were angry at Atron. I, I kind of agree with him, man. It was like, this is like, for a lot of people, this is the pinnacle. You know, for Caleb Williams, it's not. He's going to make the NFL. He's going to play in a lot of big games in the NFL. But to say, hey, the NFL, the college football is just preparing you for the NFL. That's, that's his main purpose. That's completely false, man. Completely false. Caleb Williams has a lot to play for right now. In our interview with him, all he cared about was this season. Every time I brought up the NFL draft, he was always like, listen, man, it's cool. And like, it is cool to be talked about in that way. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm very excited about that in the future. But all I care about right now is making the college ball playoff. He said, he's like, I was brought to tears last year when I couldn't make the college ball playoff. And now he was probably in the same boat this year, man. He cares about USC. He does. He cares about college football, and he's got a lot of stuff in the future for him. He's going to be an NFL number one overall pick probably, uh, but he, like you said, he has something to prove right now. And they can still win the Pac-12, which would be a great uh, thing for them, but I just I, I get setting out for the bowl game. I do not understand quitting on your team at this point in the season when you got Washington, you got Oregon, you got UCLA on deck. You still have a lot to prove, man, and he could still prove, hey, I'm the guy in college football. And like you said before, too, this could be a, a you know, Otra was saying, oh, you should make it a business decision for the NFL. NFL evaluators will be turned off by that, man. They will be look at that and say, oh, he like when the going gets tough, he just quits. That's what he does. That's something that I, I think Drake May is kind of closing the gap for that number one overall pick. I don't think he is there just yet, but I think he's closing the gap. If Caleb Williams all of a sudden just calls it quits on the season, a lot of NFL teams might be like, I don't know if I want that guy leading my franchise, man. So I, I completely disagree with Acho. I think he's not going to sit out. I'd be shocked if he does. That's not the kind of guy that at least I got the impression of when I interviewed him. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's it's tough for USC right now, but this is not a guy that's just going to call it quits on his teammates like that. He's not going to leave him out to dry when you have three of the biggest games left on your schedule. So uh, yeah, so we think about uh, the, the main takeaways from week eight of Wild Week 8, but now don't, let's get into the meat of the show, which is our top five Heisman candidates heading into week nine. And everyone thought Michael Penix Jr. was running away with the Heisman after last week. Had a tough showing this week. J.J. McCarthy's a new favorite now out of Michigan. But let's start off with your number five. Who is your number five Heisman candidate right now at this point of the season? Well, there's plenty of deserving candidates for this spot. But for the sake of it, I really wanted to go with at least one non-quarterback. Um, I actually have Malik Neighbors from LSU. Ooh. Best receiver in the country right now. 92 grade overall. Leads the, leads the nation in grade. Leads the nation in yards. Leads the nation in first, first, uh, first downs. Deep grade, deep catches, deep yards, great on short catches. Uh, he's good against man coverage. He's got five 100-yard games, including a 239-yarder against Mississippi State. <laughs> Best receiver in the country. And, and until the last two weeks, we were obviously, I would put Luther Burden right behind him. The grading says it. The performance says he's been spectacular. But Neighbors has just been so good and so explosive. Best receiver in the country for after week one, arguably the best offense in the country in LSU. I, I wanted a non, I wanted one non-quarterback on this list, and this was, you know, I, you know, I even thought about a couple of, you know, some defensive guys that need shout-outs to Layout to Latu, yep. still the highest-graded player at any position. 
Uh, how about Jalen Green for James Madison getting five sacks against Marshall last week? Hell yeah, up to dude. Of- officially at 13 for the year, but PFF doesn't do half sacks. So we have 15 leading the nation in pressures and sacks. Uh, you, you you got some defensive guys who could get in this conversation. Obviously, I know your number five is about to be one that, that I thought about here as well. But I wanted a non-quarterback, and I thought Neighbors was the most deserving. I love that, man. So, yeah, I didn't have any non-quarterbacks, unfortunately, although I do agree with you. It's become too much of a quarterback award, and I think other positions deserve love. But I think this year is a very strong year for quarterbacks. Uh, Neighbors is very close, though. Don't get me wrong. So I, think I love that pick at number five. My number five is Shador Sanders from Colorado. Now, does Shador Sanders have any chance at the Heisman Trophy when it's all said and done? No. He has no chance at the Heisman Trophy. Why? Because his team has already lost three games. And most likely, they're going to be a 6-6, six 7-5 six, team at the end of the season anyways. That does not get you the Heisman Trophy, unfortunately. However, the Heisman Trophy is awarded to the most outstanding player in college football. Shador Sanders has absolutely been one of the five most outstanding players in college football. None of those three losses have been his fault this season. In fact, his play alone have kept them in all of those games this year. Uh, He right now is a 92.2 grade that trails only J.J. McCarthy among FBS quarterbacks. Fourth most passing yards in the country. Third most passing touchdowns in the country. Only three interceptions as well. You have to look at Colorado last year and what they are this year. 1-11 last year. Now, I mean, they're probably going to go 6-6, and 7-5 six, and five this year. That's a major, major improvement. Now, I know 6-6 six and six and 7-5 and five doesn't move the needle usually for Heisman conversations. When you look at this program and what they've done, Shador Sanders is one of the biggest reasons why this program is where it is right now, which is relevant, nationally relevant. When last year it was the biggest dumpster fire in the country, that says a lot to me, man. And I think he's easily, easily been one of the five best quarterbacks in college football. And why, even though they have three losses and they're four and three, I still think he should be in the consideration to at least go to New York as a Heisman finalist. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm going to I'm gonna expand on that in a minute, but I'm going to get to at number four, a guy you just mentioned just ahead of him is J.J. McCarthy Ooh. for me at four. Um, 92.6 overall grade leads the country. Um, I, I like he's got a 79.8 overall grade under pressure. That's second best in the country. Look, the traditional stats, and I know now he's suddenly the favorite as – the quarterback of potentially the best team in the country. I, I would, I argued it a couple weeks ago. I would put Michigan at one. They are, they are just beating the brakes off everyone yeah. in front of them. I know the schedule's been light, but they've won every game by at least twenty-four. They are the one team that's dominated every single week. He's the quarterback of it. The traditional stats kind of trail some of these other guys. But the two things that Michigan has been missing are guys who can make big-time throws. And right now, his 9.4% big-time throw rate is fourth best in the country. And guys who can make plays under pressure, right? In past years, you know, even last year, McCarthy himself, really average under pressure in big moments. Right now, you know, he got unlocked a little bit in that TCU game last mm-hmm. year in the semifinal. He's he's unlocked now. And, and you can tell their offense is just different. There's a deep... There's a deep element to this offense with him and Roman Wilson. He still manages it incredibly well. He's getting more shots in without taking more risks. Um, I totally get, you know, I I don't think he's as flashy as some of these other guys. The stats aren't as gaudy. But you look at what McCarthy's doing for Michigan right now as the the quarterback, as the leader of, I think, right now the best team in college football. Um, it's, It's hard to deny. I definitely would not. I wouldn't put him first unless maybe the numbers even get 
God, it's hard because he's got 18 touchdowns and three picks, but it, it's it's going to be the case of he's the quarterback on the best team. So it, he's going to be probably, if he continues to do this and they run the table, he's going to be at the ceremony. I, I wouldn't put him at the very top. Number four felt right for me, for McCarthy. That's completely fair. I have McCarthy a little bit higher than you, so I'll get into that when we get there. But my number four is a guy that I don't think you have on your list, and that is Bo Nix from Oregon, who – you know, that Washington loss, man, that was not on Bo Nix. He was fantastic in that game. Right now, and what I love about Bo Nix, and we'll talk about this guy, uh, this kind of theme with another guy that we'll get into later. His transition from this gunslinger at Auburn, where every play, it kind of like was like the Caleb Williams, but in a negative way, where it was like, you don't know what that guy's doing on every play. Like, he's going to run around back there. He's going to try to find a throw down the field. That was what he was like at Auburn. And why he really didn't play that well at Auburn was because he was kind of a gunslinger. Now, all of a sudden at Oregon, he's one of the most conservative quarterbacks in the country, man. He's one of the guys who plays in the system the most. So, Credit to him, man. Credit to him for recognizing, hey, this kind of play, I was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. This kind of play is not going to get me in the NFL. What will get me in the NFL is playing in the system and playing at a very high level in the system. You see right there, he leads the country in adjusted completion rate, which is basically your completion percentage plus any drops your receiver has. So 85% leads the country, third in the country in turnover-worthy play rate, eighth in the country in overall grade. Now, a big part of that, he is average at the target is only 6.4 yards downfield. So he's not taking as many downfield shots, but he is extremely, extremely efficient. He's taking care of the football, man. He's playing within the system. He's taking the easy throws when they're there, which is something that Caleb Williams really isn't doing right now. Uh, I just want to give a huge shout-out to Bo Nix. We interviewed, if you want to check out that interview, terrific interview. He gave us like 30 minutes, uh, which I was shocked that he was able to give us that much time. But overall, man, Bo Nix, I think, is still very much in this Heisman conversation, especially if Oregon can win the Pac-12 title and make the college football playoff. They only have one loss right now. They have, a, they have everything else in front of them. I think Bo Nix is very much still in this Heisman race and why I have him here at number four. I agree. I think I think Nick's. You make a good point about still having time to earn it. Look, it's still we only just finished week eight. There's a long, long way to go. And yeah. if Nick's were to run the table and be a driving force in them running the table, maybe you win a rematch with Washington. Yep. It starts this week. They get Utah this week. It's a huge game. Uh, Utah's playing really, really well, like they always do. Nick's may of any of these guys have the most opportunity to rise up this board. And I highly considered him at five. And I think even four is a justifiable spot yeah. for him. Honestly, I really do. I think, I think there's some people would argue him maybe all the way up to two. Uh, I, I mean, I, he's, he really was, he was really good against Washington. Their coaching loss in that game. Um, you know, this is a big one though. I think this week's a big one Huge. against Utah. He could really come out and prove something on the road in Utah. He's going to have to be a driving force in this one. Cause Utah, they're just as physical as Oregon. They're one of the few teams in the Pac-12 who are. So, Knicks, I like your point about Knicks having a lot to prove going forward. Um, I, I want to see it. Like I said, he's really the one big competitor I thought about with neighbors at five. I just wanted a non-quarterback in yeah, there just to it. break it up. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I get it totally. I love that. I'm going to I'm gonna stay in the Pac-12 at number three. Um, you mentioned Shadour Sanders already. Mm -hmm. I got him third. I'm going to be honest with love you. Had they not lost to Stanford and then seeing how Penix just played against Arizona State and, you know, because I, I think every guy gets one. Every guy on this list, maybe not Knicks yet, has had one of these games where it yeah. just hasn't gone right. Sanders against Oregon, Penix this week, uh, Daniels against Florida State. Every one of these guys, look, McCarthy hasn't had one yet, but he also hasn't had some crazy like 500-yard game. It's a little different with McCarthy. Um 
Look, Sanders, he he might be the most NFL ready quarterback in college football. He's he is the only quarterback in the top ten in deep, intermediate, and short grading. All right. <laughs> his supporting I want to mention his supporting cast really quick, okay? Which doesn't the supporting is is not really the right word for it. If you take him out, I looked at offensive grading for all the power five teams. If you take him out and you just take every other offensive player, every non-quarterback, okay, and you put the grading all into one, the team offensive grade, Colorado comes out 54th out of the 69 teams in the power five. Just for a frame of reference and where we're going here with this, I've got Michigan is number one in grading, offensive grading outside of the quarterback. You know, we're going to get into two more guys here. LSU's number four, Washington number seven, Oregon's very high up there. This dude is doing more. And Colorado's defense, last in total yardage per game, giving up the seventh most points per This guy is asked to do more and to carry more than anyone, anyone in the country. And he is still the highest-graded passer in the country at a 91.8, highest-graded clean pocket passer. Just, I I don't... We would, I think people publicly would look at this a lot different had they not blown the Stanford game. Yeah. And, and honestly, he made one bad throw in the entire game, and that was in the second overtime. Okay. So, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not pinning that. I can't pin that Stanford game on him. Does he take a few too many sacks? Yeah. Is his O line good? No. So I'm also, I would rather him take sacks than go out there slinging interceptions like Caleb Williams has been doing. Right. Shadur Sanders should. For me, if he keeps playing like this, especially with UCLA, Oregon State, some Utah, some good teams coming up with good defenses, if he continues to play the way he's playing, there is no reason he shouldn't be at least in New York City for this presentation. And dude, I, listen, you have him higher than me, and we are still extremely high in Shador Sanders. Like, I, you look at the eyes, Heisman odds right now; he is nowhere close to the front of this list, no. man. He is. Nowhere I, I think close. there's no reason. I think third is I, there's no reason he shouldn't be top three. And I'm going to be honest, if he comes out, I I said it once before, if he comes out this year, especially now with Williams struggling for about a month and Drake May just losing to Virginia, completing like 56%, I've told you before, Sanders could come out in this class and maybe even be QB2. And if he waits a year and he comes out next year, he's got to be the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall pick in Agreed. 25. Agreed. Has yeah. to be. You saw what Aller did against Ohio State. Like, I really thought that could have been the proven game for him to say, hey, I'm the guy next year. It wasn't. So, yeah, Shador Sanders could absolutely enter next year as the projected number one overall pick. My guy at number three, a guy that I know you're going to get into in a little bit, uh, I think right after me, honestly, is Jaden Daniels from LSU, who has been fantastic uh, so far this season. He, of course, the highest graded passing grade in the country on deep throws, leads the nation in passing grade as, uh, passer rating as well, third in overall grade. The thing with Jaden Daniels, and again, like the Shador Sanders discussion and why he might not win the Heisman Trophy, of the last 10 Heisman winners, only two of them have been quarterbacks for schools that didn't play in the college football playoff and didn't play in the BCS National Championship game. And it was Caleb Williams last year and Lamar Jackson when he won it, I believe, in 2016 for Louisville. Those are the only two out of the last 10. So very much this award is about playing in you know the big games, in the college football playoff, in the national championship game. That's why last year only Caleb Williams was the only finalist that wasn't in the college football playoff. And that's a big reason. So Jaden Daniels, 
It already has two losses. LSU already has two losses. There's never been a two-loss team in the playoff in its nine-year history. Most likely not making the playoff this year. So, Jaden Daniels' chances for a Heisman Trophy are bleak. However, like Shador, you look at just him. You take away his team. Just him. He has been one of the best quarterbacks in the country, man. And just like the Bo Nix discussion that we had, his progression, man, has blown me away. And you you made a great comparison on one of our shows recently, kind of like Jalen Hurts-like. That's exactly what it was, man. Hurts at Alabama could not throw the ball for his first couple years. Jaden Daniels at Arizona State could not throw the ball uh, for his first couple years there, but they were great runners. Last year, uh, Jaden Daniels was a better passer, but he was very conservative. Didn't take shots downfield at all. Just took care of the football. Kind of like what Bonix is doing right now, where he's not taking shots down the field, taking care of the football, extremely efficient. And Hertz was kind of like that uh, later on in his career. And of course, at Oklahoma, he had a great year. This year, though, Jaden Daniels went from a conservative passer to one of the best deep ball throwers in the country. And if now, if you look at him now and say, hey, this guy three years ago was one of the worst passers in college football, you would think you're crazy for saying that because Jane Daniels has really been that amazing as a passer, man. So don't let his defense fool you. He is right now, they lead the country in EPA per play on offense. He is the main driving force of that. Of course, Malik Neighbors, one of your Heisman finalists as well, is one of them. But Jane Daniels, man, I think he and Shador Sanders need to be in this conversation more regardless of how many losses their team has because they are playing as well as any quarterback in America right now. Yeah, I'm with you, and I'm just going to roll right into it. I've got Daniels at two, and I think to to your point, 19 big time throws this year is second most in the country. He's had he had 20 the last two years put together. So you you talk about now he's a big play threat with his arm. He's always been a big play threat with his legs. Right, 28. You see it right there. 28 forced missed tackles, 8.3 per carry, pound for pound. Honestly, at the quarterback position, he's the most dangerous runner in the country. Yeah. You just watch him, and anytime anything breaks down, when he gets vertical, I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anything scarier to watch as a defense than Jaden than Jaden Daniels getting vertical, taking off, running. Um, so you have a real conundrum playing this offense, do we? Because against, you know, against Florida State, you saw it. And in the past, it was keep him in the pocket, make him throw. Well, now he's making the throws and he's got a two-way go. He He's just dangerous. He, he might be the most dangerous dual threat player in the country right now. I'm going to be honest with you. The way he's throwing the ball downfield, the neighbors and Thomas. And look, they have to do this. Their secondary is really bad. They yep. give up points left and right. Okay. They have to score 40 a game to win these games because they can't cover and the running game is, if you take Daniels out of it, kind of mediocre. He's carrying this load. I believe, actually, if I take out week one against Florida State, he is actually the highest-graded quarterback in the country. Oof. So it, it, he is, it's well-deserved. He, he is the best dual threat in the country right now. I, I really think if he continues for a handful more games, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see them play Alabama. That's, it's going to be oh. one of the most fun matchups of the year between the deep shots, Alabama's secondary, Daniels taking off running, Milrow taking off running, see if the game gets to be a shootout with LSU's secondary, the whole thing. That Alabama game, I think if he plays in that game like he's been playing the last six weeks, seven weeks, he's he's going to find himself in this first-round conversation also. I think right now he's probably writing about that Jalen Hurts slot yeah. in the top 50. Mm-hmm. The the next handful of weeks, especially the Bama game, and if they beat Bama and get to the SEC title game, I don't know how the tiebreakers work in Georgia and all that, I, I want to see it against Alabama. Because honestly, 
if he does something like that, if he throws for 400 and four touchdowns against Bama, he may win this award yeah. despite them not making the playoff. He He's the amount that he's carrying with his arm and his feet. I mean, the only concern with him is going to be size because he's not Jalen Hurts size. Like he yeah. doesn't squat 700 pounds and he's not going to run a quarterback sneak on every third down of his life. You know, Daniels, it's it's bubbling, man. This this dude, I think I think he's going to be shooting up the boards and shooting up this this Heisman race. He already has really really quick, especially after the Florida State game when he really he struggled, especially in the second half. The improvement that we've seen over the last month and a half is nuts with him. Absolutely, and I think he could join Caleb and Lamar as the quarterbacks over the last now eleven years to win the Heisman and not play in the College Football Playoff or. Uh, BCS National Championship because he's been that special. My number two guy, guy you got into at number four, he's the number one favorite on almost every sports book right now, is J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. Now, you look at just the grades and everything. His 92.6 rate leads the country. Like we mentioned that before. Uh, Big-time throw rate only behind Jalen Moreau among Power 5 quarterbacks. Fourth in adjusted completion rate as well. He's the only one, actually, in the top five for adjusted completion rate with an average depth of target of over 10 yards. So he is throwing the ball downfield very consistently and has still been one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football. So you look at just that, just purely what he's done against the opponents he's had, he has been the best quarterback in college football. The reason why you and I are both hesitant on him, calling him the front runner for the Heisman, like a lot of sports books are, is because of that competition, man. They have played nobody in the top 30 of PFS power rankings. The best team they've beaten is Minnesota, who's, I think, 34th in the power ranking right now. So, really, he has not played. He's, he hasn't played a top 25 defense in EPA per play either. That will change very soon. They got Purdue next. Then they got Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. We will find out everything we need to know about J.J. McCarthy and about the Michigan Wolverines over those last three games of the season. So, that is why I'm hesitant on him, calling him number one, but I will give him props. He has been lights out this season. He has been fantastic, could make a case for a first-round pick in the NFL draft. There's one stat, Dalton, that I found uh, this morning that I tweeted out. It is maybe the craziest stat I've seen so far this year. J.J. McCarthy, this season, has four, four dropbacks in the fourth quarter this season. That is 262nd among all quarterbacks in the country. There are 133 teams in college football, 262nd. So you do the math. That basically means every team in the country has at least two quarterbacks with more dropbacks in the fourth quarter than J.J. McCarthy this year. In fact, Michigan, he's has less drop, fewer dropbacks in the fourth quarter than Michigan's fourth-string quarterback. Michigan's fourth-string quarterback has more dropbacks in the fourth quarter than J.J. McCarthy. So you mentioned the counting stats before and why he's so far behind almost everyone else. It's because he is not playing in the fourth quarter, man, because they are up by 30 in every single game. I just thought that was crazy that you have the Michigan starting quarterback of the number two team in the country. He is 262nd in terms of how many times he's dropped back to pass. Only four so far this season out of eight games they played as well. They played eight games. He's averaging 
half a drop back in the fourth quarter per game, which is absolutely ludicrous. Um, so that's why it, it kind of is waiting, man. It's still a waiting game with J.J. McCarthy. See how legit it is. See whether or not you know he could do this against Penn State, Ohio State, and even Maryland. Um, but I, I, I just thought that, that fourth quarter drop back stat was crazy, man. And it does explain a lot about why his stats are so far behind a lot of the other quarterbacks on this list. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess you know when you're dominant, you're dominant. It's it must. It's always nice to take the fourth quarter off. I just <laughs> I, it it makes you wonder of like, okay, well now he's the betting favorite, but where's this Heisman moment thing coming? Right? Yep. Doesn't isn't that? I mean, it usually applies. I know it's not what the most analytical thing, but we saw Penix have it. Um, I, I think Daniels, you could point to just darn near any time he does anything on third down. You know, Sanders early on. I. I McCarthy's the hardest one to place here. It feels like he's one. That's why I have him at four. It feels like you have to have him there because he's the quarterback of the best team. But it's it's he's the most. I think he's actually the biggest mystery of the bunch. I yeah, think oh, definitely. What's what's coming against Penn State and Ohio State are clearly probably two of the top five defenses in yeah. the nation. I mean, you, you you got tougher games coming. Just I think a lot like Knicks, we're going to find out a lot about McCarthy as we go but definitely i wouldn't have him as the betting favorite i would keep the betting favorite the same as last week number one michael Penix jr still and i know he's coming off his worst game of the year i get it and they squeaked out a win against arizona state look arizona state something about them they're they're this frisky one and five now one and 16 that just gives teams problems they run the ball they're physical they do weird things on defense um you know to to the point here about how good these guys are, all right? And we know Michael Penix, 91.3 passing grade. You know, it was a little higher than that last week. Last week, I think it was first. This week, he's third. Most yards in the country, fourth most touchdowns, 10 yards per attempt is six. The big one to me with Penix is three games with a 90-plus overall grade. The only other two quarterbacks to do that are Shador Sanders and J.J. McCarthy. So that's the caliber of player we're talking here. And Penix shows up. He shows up in the big moments. I, I think, to me, the Washington game, look, coming off a war against Oregon, where he he won in the game. He made special, special throws, right? He makes special throws, 18 big-time throws, only four turnover-worthy plays. You know, he just – he's still – I think you get one. You get one because everybody thinks the Arizona game was one. It wasn't. He was 30 for 40 with 360 yards. Just the game plan told them when they got in the red zone, run the ball. Yeah. If he had two touchdowns in the Arizona game, nobody would even say anything. He yeah. still went 30 for 40. He was he was still really, really good in that game. This was the first. This was the one dud. And they all get one. Again, Shadour had Oregon. McCarthy hasn't had one yet. Maybe it's coming. Bowling Green. He had yeah. three picks against Bowling Green. McCarthy. Well, th- there you go. There you go. There you- <laughs> Three picks against Bowling Green counts as a dud for me. I, yeah. I, that's no wonder they didn't let him throw in the fourth quarter against Bowling Green. It's dangerous. <laughs> you know, Daniels had the Florida State game. Yeah. Y- you get one. If Penix bounces back this week and he does his usual 350 and three touchdowns, I'll leave him at the top. I, I just don't see – I don't see any reason yet based off of, okay, he had his one dud that he shouldn't still be the favorite. Look, take Penix. It's similar to Sanders, but not as extreme. Take Penix off of Washington. Put an average quarterback in there. Are they the fifth best team in the country or, or looking for the playoff? Yep. I, I don't think so. He's the biggest reason that they are where they are. And he's the biggest reason they're the favorite in the Pac-12. And if they run the table, as we've said with a handful, there's probably 10 teams you could say it with if they run the table which they very well could. We think they got the hardest game out of the way, Yeah. right? 
I, I still think the numbers, I mean, the numbers on these top four or five guys are so split that it should just be that it, it's going to come down to the wire, but I would still have Penix at the top. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I think he had by far his worst game, not only this season, but honestly in his career at Washington. This is his lowest graded game in his two years at Washington, the 48 grade he got against Arizona State. Washington did not have an offensive touchdown in this game. The only touchdown they scored was that pick six that put him ahead, and I think the final score is 15-7. to seven. Um, So, yeah, that was his dud. But I think you look at the Heisman odds from after they beat Oregon – he was a runaway favorite for the trophy. And now all of a sudden, after McCarthy beats up on a bad Michigan State team and Washington has a dud against Arizona State, I just don't think that's enough to completely go from a runaway favorite to all of a sudden be second in the odds to, to someone else who was, you know, plus a thousand before. So I know it's a fluid situation. I know we update this every single week and things change wildly. I just think that's a major overreaction to one week of football. I agree with you, man. He's number one. And listen, he has the Heisman moment. Now, J.J. McCarthy has every opportunity for a Heisman moment against Penn State and against Ohio State, but he hasn't had it yet. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. had it, man, in that game-winning drive where he was freestyling about how he was going to score the game-winning drive to Jim McMillan, and he still went out there and did it. That's his Heisman moment. He already has it. He's got big games coming up, too, against USC. Probably another Oregon rematch in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, big, big games for Michael Penix Jr. coming up still. I still think he's the number one contender for the Heisman Trophy. So that's what we got for our Heisman list. Now, I know Eli, I, I think, has a couple graphics for us, Dalton, where we actually can go over each of our five, just kind of list them out. So if you want to list out your five, five to one, just to show where you think the Heisman race is right now. So I've got Malik Neighbors at five, J.J. McCarthy at four, Shadur Sanders three, Jaden Daniels, the second LSU Tiger in there at two, and Michael Penix Jr. still the favorite right now. And as, what is it? What is it? It's elsewhere. Once a week they talk about the list is fluid. The list is fluid. So yeah. uh, it'll, it'll, it'll continue to change week to week. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as if he keeps playing mostly other than last week, the way he's been playing, I would, I would have Penix at the top and the rest the rest uh, right there as you see it. Yeah, absolutely. So mine is basically four of the same five players, but in different orders completely almost. It's Shador Sanders, number five, Bo Nix, number four, Jaden Daniels, number three, J.J. McCarthy, number two, and Michael Penix Jr. leading the race for both of us, even after the dud against Arizona State. So before we go, Dalton, very, very special segment that we got right now. I love trivia, and I know you love trivia as well. We're going to go head-to-head right now. Dave Safaro put together some, some questions for us, five questions of college football trivia. You, the audience at home, play along with us. Let us know down in the comments, and don't cheat, by the way. Don't say that you got more right than you did. Let us know down in the comments how many of these five questions you got right. But I don't know any of these questions, Dalton. You've never seen any of these questions. Only producer Eli has seen these questions, and he's going to flash them on the screen right now. So let's get to our first question. The o- Blank is the only Power 5 team with only one pass touchdown of 20-plus yards this season. Now, I think Eli Dalton is trying to trick us with the Riley Leonard picture right there. So I don't know if it is Duke, which is uh, option D, but you got Michigan State, Iowa, Arizona, and Duke. I would say the – is it – I want to say Iowa, but I, don't, I thought I remember seeing Cade – McNamara throw one before. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go Iowa. Well, I'm gonna go Iowa. Well, they have they have one. Is that right? This team has is probably assumed oh, only last one. in the Power Five with. Okay, so it's only one. Okay, so it's not just okay. okay so it's one. So this. So yeah. So I with only P5 team with only one deep touchdown. Okay, 
Um, I think the Ryan Leonard thing is is intentional to throw us off there. I'm pretty sure. Ah, uh, I hate that because I know they don't they don't really throw over the top very much. Oh, uh, man, I'm stuck between two. I'm stuck in Iowa. Trying... I want to go with Iowa. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Michigan State. Okay. All right. Let's see what the I, actual. I, I... Oh, oh it is Michigan it. State. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right, dawn up I've one seen nothing. It, I've seen enough tape on them, and they just can't score, man. <laughs> and I know, I know Iowa, but I just something told me I'm like, man, I know what Michigan State looks like. Oh, oh man. that Iowa! I knew, I knew Eli was tricky back there. I was like, there's no way oh. Eli would uh, would unintentionally do that of giving us the answer with the Riley Leonard picture. Uh, damn, man, that was close. All right, let's go to the oh, second question. Dawn's one for one, blank. Leads the Power Five in receiving yards from the slot this season. This player has 481 receiving yards from the slot, which leads the Power Five. So, A, Taj Washington from USC. B, Malik Washington from Virginia, who is unbelievable, by the way, against North Carolina. C, Malik Neighbors from LSU, who leads the country in receiving yards. D, Luther Burden III from Missouri. Um, okay. You want, you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm still so I, I'm I don't know. This may have changed, but for our award show, this is something I looked at um, as just one of the things I was researching during our award show. Now, I I, I'm going to go with what it, I'm pretty sure it was last week, and I don't know if it changed this week. Uh, but I I think unless somebody had a huge week in the slot this week, I think it's neighbors. You think it's neighbors? I thought it was Luther I, I Burden. I think Burden might have it. I, I, I'm going to go with I, Luther Burden. I'm pretty sure, if I remember right last week from the award show, one of the stats that I had that I had down a week ago was that neighbors was leading the country in slot yards. I, unless unless somebody – I don't know if Washington had a big week this week. Is he, is he the one? He's for Virginia, right? Yeah, Malik Washington, yeah. If he, I don't know if he had if he, I get it, if he had a huge game – he did have a then maybe game. he passed him up in the slot. I, I'm gonna say neighbors because I'm pretty sure it was neighbors last week, but somebody might have just passed him. You know, give me Malik Washington. Give me Malik, I know because he plays a lot in the slot, and I know he had a huge game against North Carolina. So give me Malik Washington. I'm gonna go Malik Washington. Final answer here. So you got Malik neighbors. I got Malik Washington. You got oh, neighbors. It. Yes, it, oh I held for a week. Dolan, yes. two for two, and I'm zero for two right now. Man, I man. stink, man. Holy oh, crap. man, that that one, I'm not going to say, it's not a cheating one. It's just, I remember that being a stat last week. I was like, wow, Neighbors is that good in the slot too? That's crazy. How do you oh, defend that? Damn, and I, I just wasn't sure of, that it held a week later. Ooh, I know man. a lot of the goal balls came from the outside for Neighbors whenever I watched. Damn, oh my God, I'm 0 for 2, man. You are, right now, you're perfect 2 for 2. Let's get to our third question, man. I can't believe how bad I am at this right now. This is actually pretty embarrassing. Uh, blank leads the Power 5 with 62 rushes of 10-plus yards this season, you got LSU, UCF, Tennessee, and Kansas State are your four options. I kind of like LSU, man, with Jaden Daniels adding to that ground game as well. I know they had a bunch of them against Missouri. You like that look on Brian Kelly's face in that picture, though? Oh, yeah, you know, and also sure. he, well, that's probably him looking at his secondary. Um, <laughs> the fact uh, that oh, the fact that Eli put it up there now makes me kind of. Oh, there's a couple of funky ones in there because Kansas State's in there. I, I'm pretty sure Kansas State's in there to throw us off because yeah. I, I'm. I don't think their running game has been quite as good this year as no, past there's no years. No, no Yeah, they might have left LSU, the last year, but not this year. Oh, you go. You go first on this one. I got to think about this. Can I look at that one more time, Eli? I'm sorry about this. I, I'm. I'm. 
I'm confusing myself right now. So it's LSU, UCF, I know is one of them, Tennessee and Kansas State. Um, oh, oh, I think I'm caught between two of them. Oh, I think Eli is trying to trick us. I, you know what? I, I think this is the reverse psychology. I'm actually going to go with LSU here. I think this is when he actually gives us the answer. and we're, we're just not going to take it. I'm going LSU here. I'm going to go LSU. Final answer. I'm stuck between two, and it's not LSU. Um, <laughs> no. Ah, <laughs> uh, I have a. I think. Oh man, I don't I'm think it's Tennessee. Two. I'm caught between two, but I think. Okay, I think Alabama did a good enough job against Tennessee in the second half. I I have a feeling. I'm going with UCF. I have a feeling it's UCF. All right. I think it's yeah, UCF's not a bad call, honestly. That might have been the one. All right, what is the final answer? Let's see here. Kansas oh, State. It was wow. Kansas State. Oh, I took them out first. I didn't think so. Man, they must be just scratching 10 yards because I don't see them getting a bunch of huge ones. No, that's surprising. I think Dave did a good job with those options because I think he was trying to throw us off with the quarterback. I was thinking a lot about the quarterback run game, and I know uh, John Rice Plumley is a lot for UCF. I know Joe Milton doesn't do it enough, but he does do it a little bit. And Jane Daniels, obviously, is one of the best runners. So that's why I thought LSU, man. But Kansas State, even uh, with Will Howard not doing well. Uh, so you're two for three, Don. I'm 0 for three now. Uh, let's get to the uh, the next question that we have here. Blank has allowed the fewest completions on throws 10-plus yards this season, 18 of them total. So the, the fewest completions allowed of 10-plus yards this season. You got Michigan. Penn State, Georgia, and Clemson are your four options. I think I do think this is a Nittany Lions stat, and I don't think Ohio State hit enough of them, although they might have actually in that game. Ten, um, see, ten is different than twenty because I know I, I'm. I was actually a little surprised not to see Duke as an option there because I know Duke against the deep ball against twenty plus is nasty. Uh, they have they've given up like nothing on deep balls, and yes, you could even yeah. you could even see it against Florida State. Not much. I'm surprised Duke's not at least on that list. That, that's a hard one right there, 10-plus, because that's not... I think Ohio State might have had mm. enough against Penn State to bump them out of I do uh, think they're up there, though, but... Can I see Can I see the four again? Yeah. So it's Michigan, Penn State, Georgia, and Clemson. I'm between Michigan and Penn State, although Clemson has also done a really good job of limiting the deep ball, too. Um, I don't think it's Georgia. I, I think Georgia's on there intentionally to trick us. I think... Michigan, Did they give up a lot to Rattler in the South Carolina game? I think they've let up a few. I, I think... I think they've given up enough. I, I think it's between Michigan's also played no quarterbacks really either. It might be Michigan. I, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Nate Wiggins and Clemson. I, I think they usually keep it in the box. I'm gonna go Clemson. You know, I'm gonna go with Michigan. I think Dave, big Michigan guy. He graduated from Michigan, huge, huge Michigan fan, obviously. I think he had to give at least one question where Michigan is the answer. So I'm gonna go with Michigan as my final answer here. Let's see what the action. Oh, it is Michigan. Oh, nice okay. Job. Oh, thank God. I did not go over. Oh, that's for... another playing nobody one. I should have yeah. done with that. All right. So Dalton is two for four. I'm one for four right now. So this one is is basically whether or not Dalton can beat me. And if I get this, we tie Dalton for the ultimate one. But uh, all right. Final question that we have here is blank has 95 rushing attempts in the red zone this season, which is 24 more than the next closest team in the Power Five. So 95 rushing attempts in the red zone, 24 more than the next closest Power Five team. you got Missouri, LSU, Baylor, and Ole Miss are your four options there. Oh, man. I don't think it's Ole Miss. Wow, there's some good options. Wow, there's some good options. See, because, okay. Ah. You got three SEC teams and Baylor. 
But I feel like Baylor doesn't score enough to get down there enough to lead like that. I kind of like LSU in the red zone, though. I don't know. I kind of like LSU with the read option with Jane Daniels. Maybe it's just Baylor. Oh, man. Oh, but I – oh. This is hard because – so I just – I actually just graded the Ole Miss-Auburn game. And Jackson Dart only threw the ball like 17 times. They've actually just become just this running, just down-the-pipe team, which is odd to me. LSU, the weird thing is like they get so many of their touchdowns deep. Yeah. Are they even in the red zone that often? I don't think so. I'm gonna go Missouri. I'm gonna go not Missouri. I'm gonna go Baylor. I think Baylor is the answer. I think you're, so, you're taking the tricky one. Yeah, I think it's Baylor. I think oh, do they get in the red zone enough to have ninety five though? Oh, I kinda like Baylor. I think that's I think he threw in three really good offenses to kind of trick us, and I think Baylor is the one that actually was in because they just they don't see. See, I I'm in the boat where I think it's those others. I think Baylor's just a fun one. I I think those other three teams are so good on offense they get the that it feels line. it feels weird that they would start running the ball. Yeah. Oh, oh man, and Schrader finishes a lot of drives for them too. He does. I, I'm gonna stick with Baylor. I'm sticking with Baylor with my final answer. What do you got? I'm going to go with Missouri. I think Schrader finishes a lot of drives. I'm going to say Missouri. We, we've right. been on Missouri in the big plays, but but you know what? Let's, I'm, I'm going with the Tigers. I need, I need a Missouri reference in this show. We haven't <laughs> had one yet. <laughs> All right, let's go. Final answer, I got Baylor. LSU! Oh, I was done. I should have done it because you know what? Every time they do get down there, it's all about oh, just I, I thought about right it too up, with the right quarterback. Down the pipe. It's the, right yeah. down, it's, I should have known. They I just didn't so think much they'd read be down there that often. Oh, they oh so much that hurts. With, oh, damn. So oh, you finished. I should have known because, like, there's just there's when they do get inside the ten, they really they don't throw fade balls and do all no, that. I don't. just didn't think they'd be down there that often because they're always scoring fifty yard touchdowns. All right, man, you finished forty percent, oh, which is killing like me. Two for five, not bad. I finished twenty percent, man. One for five is a poor showing from me. The real the real winner is Dave. He got three of them. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, Dave. Dave. <laughs> Killing me, man. Oh, I, Let wanted, me know. I, wanted to, I wanted to beat Dave. I, I wanted to beat Dave, too. Let us know in the comments down below what you got on this because I was freaking terrible, man. And honestly, if any of you beat uh, were better than me in the comments, maybe you'll host the preview show with Dalton on uh, on Wednesday, man, because this is a that was a piss-poor showing for me, man. And we are college football experts from, from PFF, and those are deep-in-the-weeds stats. Don't get me wrong, but those are stats that I, I felt like I maybe should have known, too. So uh, let us know in the comments below what you what you got. And that's what we got, man, for our kind of Week 8 review, our top five Heisman candidates heading into Week 9, and, of course, trivia at the end of the show, too, which I, I really love that, man. Hopefully we'll make that a kind of a daily rotation part of the show. Uh, but that's a great, man. And we got a, a loaded Week 9 preview coming up for you guys on Wednesday. Only a couple ranked games, but there are some huge, huge games elsewhere on the slate as well that we'll preview for you guys. So make sure you guys subscribe to the channel so you don't miss a single episode uh, that we have coming down the pipeline for the rest of the season. Now, we are in the thick of it of the college football playoff race. And, yeah, subscribe to the channel, man, because we're going to cover everything from now until, obviously, the national championship game. So for Dalton Wasserman, for producer Eli back there, for Dave Sofaro coming up with the awesome, awesome questions, I'm Max Chadwick. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time.